nighttime fears, monsters, the dark, and things that go bump in the night. Our daughter has become afraid of the dark. She says that she thinks monsters are going to get her. This makes bedtime particularly upsetting. How should we deal with her fears? It's perfectly normal for a toddler or preschooler to imagine monsters or other things that generate a fear of the dark. It's one of the most common childhood fears. Actually, an emerging fear of the dark tells you that your child is growing, developing, and getting smarter. When your daughter was a baby, she didn't know that things existed when she couldn't see them. She lived purely in the moment. Now she knows that the dark covers up things she can't see and that things happen even if she is not there to witness them. She still has a lot of growing up to do, however, to understand how the world truly works. She has a ways to go before she can clearly distinguish between real and imagined. It may be many years before she reconciles the true dangers of the world with how they relate to her everyday existence and her level of safety and security. It's all about the process of growing wiser with each year of life. What messages are you sending? Young children may seem too distracted to notice us adults much, but make no mistake, they are always watching, listening, taking it all in, and looking for clues as to how the outside world should be interpreted. They rely on signals from adults, particularly those closest to them, to tell them if their fears are logical. Your response to your child's concerns will tell her whether she truly has something to fear or if everything is safe and sound. The key to handling your child's fears of imagined things, such as monsters in the dark, is not only to say that things are okay, but to act as though they are. If you make a big deal about her fear, and if you keep looking under the bed or checking the closet to reassure her that everything is okay, your daughter may begin to wonder why you continue to look. Are you expecting to find something? While you don't want to overreact to your child's fear of the dark, you do want to be sensitive to your child's feelings. Understand that, while the object of your child's fear is not real, your child's fear is. The feelings of fear that she has are valid, and the situation calls for a diplomatic and sensitive approach. Can you explain away the fears? Even if you explain things in great detail to your child, and even if you assure him that he's safe, he may still be scared. When my son Colton was three years old, he developed a nighttime fear of the sound of airplanes flying overhead. One day, while getting ready for bed, we heard the inevitable sound. I'm sure all my previous comments came to his mind as he looked up at me and said, I know they can't hurt me, but they still scare me. It was a remarkably simple way to explain that while my reassurances were important to him, my presence was still very much needed. Solutions to Choose From The following section outlines a variety of ideas that have worked for other parents of young children. As you look these over, 
you'll be sure to find several that sound promising for your own child. Go ahead and try one or two, or combine the ideas into your own custom-made monster-fighting strategy. No matter what solutions you choose, the underlying message should always be one of confidence that there really are no monsters and that your child is perfectly safe in the dark and in her bed. No matter what individual steps you take to address your little one's fears, send the message that you know he is safe, you are there for him, and everything is just fine. Eventually, with your help, his fears will pass. What's Real and What's Pretend This is a good time to teach your child how to discern between valid and imagined fears by helping him learn the difference between real and fantasy. This isn't a one-time lesson, but a process that takes place over many conversations. You might discuss the differences between a rabbit you see at the zoo, Bugs Bunny, a stuffed bunny, and a rabbit he imagines in his mind. You can talk about the pictures he creates in his head as you read a book to him or when you tell him a story. You can contrast the difference between real things, like a dolphin, and imaginary things, like a mermaid. You can make a game of it. Can a stuffed bunny eat your soup? Can a real bunny talk? Can you walk on the ceiling? Show him that imagining something can't make it so. Examine the fantasy creatures that you have introduced your child to, such as the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. A child who willingly accepts and believes these to be real may have more reason to believe in monsters, goblins, and the boogeyman as well. The amusing and entertaining make-believe characters don't have to be banished from your home, but they are one aspect of nighttime fears that you'll need to consider as you work your way through your child's uncertainties. Practical Tactics Find ways to help your child confront and overcome his fears. Some helpful tactics follow. If dark shadows are creating suspicious shapes in the night, spend some time together finding spooky shapes or making shadows in your child's darkened room. Make a game of guessing what they really are, and then turn on the light to see what the shapes really are. You might give your child a flashlight to keep at his bedside to use if he wakes up. Lighting the hallway to your room or the bathroom with a nightlight is helpful if he leaves his bed during the night. Keeping the closet and bedroom doors open or closed can help. Ask your child which she'd like better. Giving your child one, two, or a whole zoo of stuffed animals to sleep with might help her feel safer. Many children are comforted by stuffed animals or special blankets. These security objects can help your child feel less alone. Allow your child to fall asleep with a nightlight or even a regular lamp on if she wants to. Let your child drift off to sleep with the light on and turn it off before you retire. Most kids love Christmas lights, so hanging a string of green or blue bulbs, not bright or flashing, in his bedroom 
may help him drift off to sleep in the soothing glow. Leaving relaxing music playing or white noise sounds running can be helpful to some children. The familiar sound is easier to fall asleep to than the quiet house with its strange creaks and other noises. An older child who suspects that intruders can come into the house may be reassured if you explain how the house is protected. Showing him how the deadbolts, window locks, or burglar alarm work may be helpful. Some children may be reassured if you explain the sounds of the night, the heater coming on, branches hitting the house in the wind, someone flushing a toilet. If strange sounds are explained, they lose their ability to frighten a child. Introduce your child to happy monsters. A number of children's movies and books feature fun and lovable monsters. Let your child spend some time with Sesame Street, Shrek, or Monsters, Inc. Getting to know Cookie Monster, Shrek, and Sully may give him a new vision of what his imaginary monsters are really like. Choose these movies or books with care, though, and preview them before showing them to your child. Many feature bad monsters as well as good, and the villains may frighten your child. Get a pet. If you're open to the idea, put a small pet, like a lizard, turtle, or even a fish tank in your child's room. Having this pet for company might be enough for him to no longer feel alone. A warning for you from this mom of many family pets. Keep in mind that a toddler or preschooler cannot take care of his own pet, so all the pet care will be your responsibility. Also, don't choose nocturnal animals who are noisy at night or those that might bite or scratch your child. Take the mystery out of the dark. To make the dark less mysterious, plan a few fun nighttime activities. Building a campfire and having a marshmallow roast is a great nighttime event. Taking a stargazing walk or looking for night birds also can be fun. Having a candlelight dinner or building a tent in the family room and telling stories, not scary ones, by flashlight are often well-received by even the most sensitive child. Any of these ideas will help your child make friends with the darkness so that when it's dark at bedtime, it won't seem so foreign. Monitor Scary Input Avoid having your child watch scary TV shows and movies or read books that contain things that scare her. This rule applies to any time of the day, as children have good memories and can remember at bedtime something they saw that morning. Observe your child for clues as to what frightens her. What she may view as scary may not be scary to you. Keep in mind that any time your child is nearby, he could be viewing what's on the screen. For example, if you watch the news while your child is in the room, his little eyes and ears will be tuned to the unpleasant scenes that are often shown. His lack of total understanding can magnify the intensity of these scenes, and they will pop up in his mind at bedtime. Imaginary Beasts, Imaginary Solutions 
Since the creatures that scare your child are a figment of her imagination, you may be able to banish them with an imaginary solution. A spray bottle of monster remover, water, and a magic wand are the two most common tools used. The key to this solution, in my opinion, is to let your child know that the monsters are pretend and the weapons are pretend too. Without this caveat, you may unintentionally make matters worse. Your child may be thinking, Yikes! Even Mommy thinks that the monsters are real, and the only protection I have is this measly squirt bottle. Many creative children, though, catch on to the idea and create their own sense of safety through this process. Create a Poster Children who are becoming interested in letters, reading, and words may find comfort in putting something down on paper. You may want to help your child create a sign to hang on the bedroom door. Some children will feel better with a simple statement of ownership. This is Sarah's happy bedroom. Others may want to deal with a problem and state, No monsters in this room! Whichever one your child chooses, Make sure that the sign is a pleasant one. Decorate it with flowers, rainbows, and other happy objects. An anti-monster billboard showing the dreaded beast in detail can be a frightening reminder when seen right before bed every night. Read some books. Since nighttime fears are universal, quite a number of children's books have been written on the topic. It may help to read these during the day. Avoid them right before bed, though, and read them yourself before you share them with your child. Some of the elaborate pictures in these books simply put a face on the things in your child's imagination, making the fear more intense. Ask. Try asking your child what will make him feel better. When he says, I'm scared, Keep it simple as you ask. What will make you feel better? He may have an interesting and unique approach to his problem, and no matter how odd it may sound, try to be accommodating. One little boy said that he wanted to sleep with his head on the bottom of the bed and his feet on his pillow. A little girl wanted the red light of the smoke detector covered up since it looked like a bad eye watching me sleep. These solutions made sense to the children who came up with them and helped them overcome their fears. Allow your child to explore his feelings. Some children will obsess about a fear for several days or even weeks. When airplane sounds were the root of Colton's nighttime fear, he became very interested in reading books about airplanes, finding pictures of airplanes on the Internet, talking to Daddy about how airplanes make such big sounds, searching the sky for planes, and playing with toy airplanes. After a few weeks of this, he seemed to master his understanding of them, and the fear of their noise in the night gradually faded away. This is a very normal process, as a child's internal drive to overcome his fear guides his curiosity and his thought processes. The Foolproof Way of Getting Rid of Monsters Under the Bed 
Many young children are afraid that something lurks in the dark void under the bed. Many older preschoolers, and even grade schoolers, take flying leaps onto the mattress to avoid being grabbed by what waits beneath. The very best solution may be simply to eliminate the beneath. Put the mattress, or mattress and box springs, directly onto the floor and pack away the bed frame for a year or two. After all, there can't be anything under the bed if there is no under the bed. In a similar vein, some children may find it comforting to have a bed skirt around the bed, creating the illusion that there is no dark space under the mattress. Mother Speak When Michael began to fear nighttime goblins, I reassured him that God didn't make such monsters. We would list all of the things that God did make. Trees, birds, mountains, strawberries. When we were involved in making the list, my little man forgot all about his fears. Shayla, mother of five-year-old Michael. The Power of Prayer If your faith is an important part of your family's life, and your child's faith has been growing since birth, you have a powerful weapon against any nighttime fear. Teach your child a comforting prayer to recite any time she feels afraid. Teach her how to rely on her faith in times of worry and to know that she is being watched over and is safe day and night. You may want to put a reassuring religious figurine, such as an angel, near your child's bed, or hang a calming picture or verse on the wall. Create a Peaceful, Pleasant Bedtime Routine Oh yes, that again. Many bedtime problems, including nighttime fears, can be waylaid with a specific, regular, and comforting bedtime routine. You may want to include a session of happy thoughts just before lights-out time, remembering the fun highlights of the day or thinking of upcoming fun events. This can direct your child's before-sleep thoughts to more pleasant things. Be there for your child. If your child is scared in the night, whether it's a monster, the dark, an airplane, or a dripping faucet, the most important thing is to be there for her and help reassure her until she feels safe and secure. Depending on your sleep time goals for your child, you may want to go to her when she is scared at night or invite her to come to your room when she is afraid. You can put a sleeping bag on the floor next to your bed or simply invite her to climb in with you. Reassure your child that she is perfectly safe but then tell her that sometimes little children do get scared at night, and that's normal. Explain what she should do if she's scared during the night. Having a plan in advance can help her, sometimes so much that the fear goes away. When does fear of the dark go away? If you think about it, nearly all scary scenes in movies occur in the dark. An evil beast following someone on a bright sunny afternoon just doesn't evoke the same sense of terror as the same scene shown in shadowy darkness. Therefore, it's obvious that even as adults, we have our apprehensions about the dark. 
though we manage to overcome them by our understanding that any true threat of harm is an unlikelihood. With help from the courageous adults in their lives, the majority of children manage to control their fears so that they can feel comfortable as they fall asleep at night. Be prepared, though. As children grow and learn more about the world, nighttime fears may reappear in other forms. At that time, revisit this section and reapply the solutions. Is there a time to be concerned? Most children work through their fears with a parent's help. Talk to your health care provider or a family counselor if any of the following occur. Your child seems to become more and more afraid over time. The fears carry over into the day, and she obsesses about them for more than a week or two. No solution or approach seems to help lessen his fears. The fear becomes excessive. She demonstrates other behavior issues that you are concerned about such as daytime anxiety, regression of skills, or signs of stress. Naptime Problems I don't want to sleep. My two-year-old daughter refuses to nap, but then she gets cranky later in the day. Does a two-year-old need a nap, or should I just put her to bed earlier at night? If she should be napping every day, how do I get her to take one? Napping is an important component of a child's healthy mental and physical growth. A daily nap refreshes a child so she can maintain her energy, focus, and ability to learn for the rest of the day. A nap reduces the body's level of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, helping a child to feel calmer. Think of a nap as a time to empty out the morning's stresses and allow a child to begin the afternoon with a clean slate. Some studies even show that young children who nap every day are more flexible and adaptable, have longer attention spans, and are less fussy than those who don't nap. The majority of children who miss naps don't make up the lost hours at night. Even those who do manage to sleep more at night still must deal with the long time span between morning and bedtime. In addition, nap sleep is different from night sleep in its configuration of sleep cycles and in its effect on a child's health and behavior. So extra night sleep doesn't always achieve the best results. While napping can help make up for lost nighttime sleep, Extra night sleep can't recover the benefits of a missed nap. No exact number of nap hours or nap times can be dictated for all children of a certain age because all children have slightly different sleep needs, just as all adults do. A majority of children have similar nap requirements, however, and they need nearly the same amount of total sleep hours each day. So, depending on their night sleep, parents can pretty much guess how much nap time their children need. There are a few exceptions, of course. That seems to be the rule when it comes to raising children. These exceptional children, however, are few and far between, and under perfect conditions, 
Nearly all non-napping toddlers and many non-napping preschoolers will adapt to a routine daily nap. Naps and Night Sleep There is a definite correlation between the length and the quality of daytime naps and night sleep. Conversely, night sleep affects naps, so it can be a vicious circle. Many children who are not getting adequate night and nap sleep will often wake up early and then, an hour or so later, appear to need a nap. Ironically, children who don't nap well don't sleep well at night either. So if you can improve your child's daily nap schedule, he may well sleep longer at night. Improving your child's daily nap routine can help him feel happier, grow better, be less fussy, and sleep better at night. And add to that, having a little time for yourself can also help you to be less cranky. How can you tell if your child needs a nap? Young children approach life with gusto. They have so much to learn and so much to do that if it were up to them, they wouldn't sleep, day or night, until they simply fell over. Leaving the decision to nap up to your child, then, is like allowing her to choose between vegetables or ice cream for dinner. Just as ice cream would win hands down, your little one is unlikely to choose sleep over awake. This leaves the decision entirely up to the grown-ups in the house. If you watch carefully and know what to look for, you will be able to tell if your child needs a nap. There are two lists that follow. The first helps you determine if your child needs a daily nap. The second will tell you that your child is weaning from taking a nap every day, but on some days will still need to sleep. Signs that your child needs a daily nap Wakes up in a good mood, but gets whiny and cranky as the day progresses. Has more patience early in the day but is more easily aggravated later on. Cries more often and more easily in the afternoon and evening than she does early in the day. His coordination deteriorates over the course of the day. He begins falling down more, can't manage a puzzle as well, has trouble pulling up his pants or tying his shoes. Has an afternoon or early evening slump, but gets a second wind later in the day. Shows signs of being tired, such as yawning, rubbing eyes, or looking slightly glazed in the afternoon or early evening. Becomes wired or hyperactive later in the day and won't settle down easily. Often falls asleep in the car or when watching a movie. Has a difficult time waking up in the morning or wakes up grumpy and stays that way for a while. One more significant indication that your child still needs a daily nap. You desperately need that daily break from child tending so you can do adult things and recharge your own battery. Signs that your child is weaning from daily naps but still needs one on some days. Usually has a consistent personality from morning until bedtime, but on very active days, tends to become fussy in the evening. Is generally in good spirits, 
but is overly grumpy or whiny on busy days. On days when he naps, he takes a long time to fall asleep at night or goes to bed much later than usual. Lies in bed a long time before falling asleep at nap time or never falls asleep at all when put down for a nap. Usually goes to bed at a reasonable time and sleeps well all night long. How much nap time does your child need? If you've reviewed the preceding lists and suspect that your child needs a nap, the next step is to review the typical sleep hours. Once again, children differ in their sleep needs. Some naturally need less or more than we talked about, but it is a general guide that applies to most children. Keep in mind, though, that even if your child's sleep hours add up to the right amount, his or her behavior tells you more than any chart possibly could. When in doubt, always try for a nap, since even a period of quiet time can help a child feel more refreshed. When should your child nap? The timing of your child's naps is very important, since a nap that occurs too late in the day will prevent your child from being tired when bedtime approaches. Consequently, he'll take longer to fall asleep at night, and he may then sleep later in the morning. This can disrupt the following day's nap and bedtime schedule, which can often begin a long pattern of disrupted sleep. Researchers have also discovered that certain times of the day coincide with the biological clock. These optimum periods balance sleep and wake time to affect nap sleep and nighttime sleep in the most positive way. Generally, the best nap times are as follows. If your child takes two naps, mid-morning, around 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock, and early afternoon, around 12 o'clock to 2.30. If your child takes one nap, early afternoon, around 12 o'clock to 2.30, after lunch. How long should a nap be? The goal for the day's nap is to allow your child to get adequate rest and rejuvenation to fuel the rest of the day. A nap that is less than 30 minutes in length typically doesn't accomplish this objective. A short cat nap can take the edge off, but because it's not long enough to complete a sleep cycle, it may just make your child fussier in the long run. Of course, there are those exceptions again. They do happen. That small percentage of toddlers or preschoolers who can function beautifully on a 20-minute nap. But don't assume this to be the case with your child unless his daily naps and nighttime sleep are consistent and he appears well-rested throughout the day. Conversely, brief naps are best for adults. The optimal length of naps varies by age and among children, but the best naps are usually one to three hours in length. If your child tends toward short naps, don't give in and assume that it's all the nap time she needs. Try some of these tips for increasing the length of her naps. Give your child lunch or a snack about a half hour before nap time. Include carbohydrate-rich foods 
such as whole wheat toast and cheese. Don't give too many fluids in the hour before nap time, and make sure your child uses the potty or has on a fresh diaper for nap time. Make certain the sleeping room is dark. Daylight coming in the window can rouse your child before nap time is over. Play soothing music or white noise during the entire nap. If your child partially wakes up mid-nap, the gentle sounds may help him fall right back to sleep. Make sure your child is comfortable. He shouldn't get too cold or too hot. His sleeping attire should be cozy. Either put pajamas on him or take off his pants and let him sleep in a diaper or underpants. Whether you leave socks on or off depends on your child and the temperature of the room, but do whatever works best for him. Make use of an air conditioner, heater, fan, or humidifier to keep the air temperature consistent and comfortable. Check to see if discomfort from teething, allergies, asthma, ear infection, or other health-related issues is preventing your child from taking longer naps. If you suspect any of these, a visit to your health care professional is in order. Pay attention to the typical length of your child's short naps. About five or ten minutes before the usual awakening time, plant yourself outside the bedroom door and listen carefully for signs of movement. Use the time to read a book, knit, practice yoga, or do another peaceful, pleasant activity. Or go ahead, be practical, and fold laundry or pay your bills. The minute your child starts to move around or make noise, go in quickly. You'll likely find him in a sleepy, just-about-to-wake-up state. Use whatever technique helps him fall back to sleep, such as breastfeeding, rubbing, patting, or just lying next to him. If you've caught him quickly enough and he's still tired, he'll fall back to sleep. After a week or so of these interventions, your short napper should be taking a much longer snooze without any help from you. Watch for signs of tiredness. Tired children fall asleep easily, and your child will give you signals that he is ready for a nap. If he isn't tired, he'll resist sleep, but if you miss his signals, he can easily become overtired and will then be unable to fall asleep when you finally do put him to bed. If you watch your child's signs for a week or two, you should be able to create a good nap schedule based on his personal daily biological rhythm. Use the time you pick as a guideline, and then use his tired signals as the main cue for nap time. If you spot the signals, don't begin a lengthy pre-nap time routine. Just get your tired little one off to bed. Your child may demonstrate one or more of these signs that tell you he is tired and ready to nap now. Reducing his level of activity. Becoming more quiet. Losing interest in playtime. Rubbing his eyes. Looking glazed or unfocused. Having a more relaxed jaw, chin, and mouth. Droopy-looking. Becoming whiny and cranky. Fussing or crying. Losing patience with toys or activities. Having tantrums. Yawning. Lying down or slumping in his seat. Watching television or a movie with a blank expression. 
caressing a lovey or blanket, asking for a pacifier, for a bottle, or to nurse. The nap routine. Once you have created a nap schedule that works with your child's daily periods of alertness and tiredness, follow a simple but specific nap routine. Your child will be most comfortable if there is a predictable pattern to his day, since toddlers and preschoolers thrive on consistency. He may come to predict when his nap time approaches and willingly cooperate with you. For example, he may begin to recognize that after lunch and story time comes nap time. In addition, if you include relaxing activities in your nap routine, such as massage, rocking, white noise or soft music, or a bottle or breastfeeding session, it can help to prepare your child for sleep. How Nap Routines Change Children's sleep patterns change over time, so don't think that the routine you set up today will be the same one you'll use a year from now. Young toddlers will shift from two daily naps to one. Older toddlers and preschoolers will eventually stop taking naps altogether. These changes don't happen in a day. There are often weeks or months of transition where naps become sporadic. During these periods of change, it becomes more important to read your child's tired signs and work with his daily moods to gauge his need for naps, taking advantage of quiet times to allow your child to rest even if he doesn't fall asleep. On days when your child doesn't nap, it's okay to put him to bed a little bit early. Just don't dramatically change his bedtime by an hour or more, or you will risk affecting the next day's schedule and starting a week-long disruption to his sleep pattern. If your child has a wonderful nap schedule, then suddenly starts rebelling, you should suspect that she isn't feeling well. Check for an ear infection, teething problems, or allergies, or a transition is in the works. Take a look at your child's nap and night sleep, then consider the lists of nap signs, and evaluate the situation to see if a change is required to better match her new sleep needs. Tips for the Reluctant Napper If your child hasn't been a very good napper, and you're working to create a nap routine, the following ideas may help you encourage her to actually sleep when you think she should sleep. This list isn't meant to be followed in its entirety, however. Just choose those ideas that sound like they may work for your child and include them in your daily nap routine. Use consistent lullaby music or white noise during naps. You can use a bubbling fish tank, a fan, or heater, taking care that it gets neither too hot nor too cold. A recording of nature sounds or a white noise clock. This creates a very strong sleep cue that brings on relaxation. It also blocks out household or outside noises that may wake him up and reduce the length of his nap time. If you have a young toddler, bring your stroller in the house and walk her around until she falls asleep. Even simply rolling the stroller back and forth over a lump like a doorway threshold can work. 
If your child sleeps only a short time and starts to wake, you can often walk or bounce her back to sleep. Once she gets used to taking a daily nap, you can make the transition to her bed. If you're looking for a way to incorporate some exercise into your own day, take the stroller outside at nap time each day and take a walk. You'll feel great, and your little one will get in the day's nap. Make sure the room is dark during sleep. Cover the windows in any way you can, even with a piece of cardboard or aluminum foil. Some children are very sensitive to light, and it prevents them from falling asleep or wakes them up after a short period of sleep. Some children are so intent on having fun and learning about the world that they hate to stop even for a minute. If your child gets upset with just the mention of nap time, change your approach. Instead of announcing nap time, say, it's quiet time, or say nothing at all, and read a few books, listen to a peaceful tape, turn on your white noise, give a bottle, or nurse her. If your little one is tired, she'll surely fall asleep. If not, the quiet time will work wonders to take the edge off for both of you. Lie down with your child in a dark room. Play quiet music, an audiobook, or white noise and relax and close your own eyes. Once she's sleeping soundly, you can get up. That is, if you're not sleeping too. If you do fall asleep, it's because your body needs that sleep. Research has shown that a short midday siesta is healthy for adults. Enjoy the nap! Instead of choosing a children's audiobook, choose one for yourself. The melodious voice on most audiobooks will be soothing to your child while you catch up on your own reading for pleasure or business. Instead of making the dreaded nap time announcement, offer your child a series of choices that lead her in your intended direction. Do you want to read two books or three? Do you want to choose them? Do you want to listen to music or birdsong today? Would you like to rest on your bed or mommy's bed? Which stuffed animal do you want to cuddle today? Older toddlers and preschoolers love having choices, and they are more likely to cooperate if they are invited to make the decisions themselves. Avoid letting your child get involved in a fun activity right before nap time. If your child is beginning to build a wonderful castle of blocks, is starting a new puzzle, or has just opened a new tub of Play-Doh, she'll be very reluctant to leave her project and take a nap. Save the good stuff for when she wakes up. Give your child something to look forward to after nap time. Promise something for when you get up from your rest. It could be a walk in the park, a game of Candyland, starting that new puzzle or tub of Play-Doh, or having a cookie and milk. Tell your child what you'll be doing as he sleeps, and make it sound very boring, such as, I'll be doing my paperwork while you sleep. Saying this lets your child know he won't be missing anything exciting and that the fun things will happen when he wakes up. Set a timer. 
Tell your little one you'd like him to rest quietly for at least 20 minutes. Tell him you'll set a timer, and he can get up if he wants to when he hears it ring. This can be the kitchen oven timer or a clock radio. Have him watch you set the timer or help him do it himself. If he falls asleep, remember to turn off the timer so that it doesn't wake him. Another way to use this idea is to set the sleep feature on a clock radio for 60 minutes or the length of your child's nap. Choose a soft music or all-talk station. Tell your child that she can get up when the music or talking stops. If you've tried for 15 or 20 minutes to get your child to nap and she is still wide awake, then she's not tired enough to sleep. Let her get up and play for an hour or so. Tire her out with activity. Then when she shows signs of being tired, try again for a nap. If it's early enough in the day. If it's too late for a nap, then aim for a slightly earlier bedtime that night. Napping Away on the Go When my fourth child, Colton, joined our family, his siblings were 8, 10, and 12. We had a busy schedule filled with school and sports activities. To even attempt to be home every single day at nap time would have been pointless. Instead, I discovered the following tips for napping on the go. If your little one falls asleep in the car, take advantage of this blessing. Try to arrange car trips to occur at nap time. Give your child a snack and a clean diaper or potty visit before you leave the house. Recline his car seat back if it has that option, or bolster his head with the child's travel pillow and take off his shoes. If you're buying a new car seat, look for one with deep side wings for in-car sleeping. Give him his blankie or lovey and play quiet music or an audiobook. Keep your own reading material or paperwork in the car so you can allow his nap to continue once you've parked. Never, ever, ever Leave your sleeping child alone in the car. It could be dangerous. Invest in a few nap mats or roll-up stadium blankets used for outdoor sports. These are easy to keep in the car. If you are at an older child's function or a friend's home, this can be placed on the ground or floor for a portable nap pad. Keep your stroller in the car for another portable bed option. Many sleep-resistant babies can be lulled to sleep in the fresh air during a stroller ride. Modify your child's sleep times to match your schedule if there's a slight difference. For example, if your child is ready to nap at 1 o'clock, but you have to pick up your older child every day from school at 1.30, then shift the day's events to make a car nap work for you. Schedule playtime and lunchtime, so that 1.30 becomes the new nap time. Spring forward, fall back. Dealing with daylight saving time. We're about to change our clocks ahead for daylight saving time. I know it's only an hour, and it may be my imagination, but the change seems to upset our routine for weeks. When it comes to my children's nap and bedtimes, What's the best way to deal with the time change? 
It's not your imagination. And you're not the only one to struggle with the sleep change that accompanies daylight saving time. About 70% of people find that their sleep schedule is off for a while after the time adjustment. Studies show that there's an average increase of 7 to 10% in the number of traffic accidents on the day following the time change when people lose that one precious hour of sleep. The one-hour time changes in spring and fall can be disruptive to people's sleep cycles, says Richard L. Galula, National Sleep Foundation's chief executive officer. The return to standard time and the supposed gain of an hour of sleep, which often doesn't happen, can have negative consequences, as does the potential loss of an hour of sleep in the spring, he adds. The resetting of watches disrupts everyone's physical rhythm. You can't push a button to change your biological clock. If you remember from the discussion in Part 1 on this topic, a sleep deficit of even one hour can have a dramatic effect on sleep and wakefulness. Another reason that the daylight saving time shift greatly affects us and our children is that many people are already feeling the effects of daily sleep deprivation. Any small upset to the sleep schedule thus has an exaggerated effect. Lessening the Impact of the Daylight Saving Time Changes It can help simply to know that it's normal to take a few days to a week or even longer to adjust to the time change. Even if you use the suggestions that follow, have a little patience with yourself and your children until your biological rhythms catch up with the clock on the wall. Here are a few things that can help you make a quicker adjustment. Take advantage of the power of light and dark to reset your body clocks. Keep the house dimly lit in the hour before bedtime and use bright lights for the first hour after you wake up in the morning. If you have to put your child to bed an hour earlier, before he's actually tired, extend your pre-bedtime reading time. Reading in bed can help a child calm down and feel drowsy. Follow as many of the ideas in Part 1 of this book as you can, paying attention to details like nap times, afternoon exercise, and choices of food in the evening are all small ways to help your child feel tired at bedtime. Just because the clocks officially change at 2 o'clock a.m. doesn't mean you have to change yours at that time. Since most people don't get up in the middle of the night, many change their clocks first thing in the morning. But this can jolt your system when you realize you're suddenly one hour off. So instead... Change your clocks mid-afternoon before the time actually changes. That way, you'll have made part of the adjustment to the new time before it actually comes into effect. You'll have adjusted your child's nap and evening meal to the clock, which will help the bedtime adjustment flow more smoothly. If the time change wreaks havoc in your home if you and your child are having lots of bedtime problems already, and the change in time makes things much worse, see if you can split the hour difference into 15-minute increments for four days up to the actual time change. 
If you have many appointments or older children to pick up from school and sports activities, you can't actually change your clock. But since most toddlers and preschoolers can't tell time, you can simply write down the bedtimes for the week in advance and just begin your bedtime routine at the adjusted time each night. Do you have to keep the same bedtime year-round? Before you automatically make the bedtime hour change, take your family's needs into account. Some families, particularly those with older children who are in school, are happy to modify bedtime to be later during the summer vacation months. If this suits you, then modify bedtime and awakening time to be one hour later during the spring and summer. Do what works best for you. A safety reminder. Many fire departments encourage people to change the batteries in their smoke detectors when they change their clocks. The majority of home fires occur at night when people are sleeping. Working smoke detectors more than double a person's chances of surviving a home fire. So keep your child and your entire family safe by changing your alarm batteries along with your clocks. Bedwetting My four-year-old has been potty trained during the day for a long time, but he still wets the bed almost every night. Is there something wrong? Why can't he master this part of training, and what can we do about it? The development of nighttime urinary control is a biological process. As children grow and develop, so does their ability to control their bladder. There is a wide range of normal for when this nighttime control occurs. Bedwetting, called enuresis, is common among young children. Since almost 50% of all 3-year-olds and up to 40% of 4-year-olds wet the bed several times a week, it is considered normal behavior at this age. Additionally, 20 to 25% of 5-year-old children and 10 to 15% of 6-year-olds don't stay dry every night. In addition, many young children who are dry at night for a long period of time begin to wet the bed again, sometimes after a time of change in their life or stress. If your child suddenly has a change in nighttime or daytime bladder habits, it's a good idea to check with your health care provider to make sure your child doesn't have an infection or other health issue. By the age of nine, only 5% of children wet the bed, and most of those children do it only once a month. As children get older, fewer and fewer have bedwetting accidents. In the majority of cases, the problem goes away even when parents don't use any special treatment for the condition. The most common reasons for bedwetting are biological. Your child's kidneys aren't sending a signal to the brain when he's asleep. His bladder hasn't grown large enough to contain a full night's supply of urine. His bladder overproduces urine at night, or he sleeps so deeply he doesn't wake up to go to the bathroom. As children grow, all of these conditions are self-correcting. Bedwetting is also hereditary, 
So if one or both parents were bedwetters, a child has a greater chance of doing the same. Diabetes, food sensitivities, specifically to caffeine, dairy products, fruit, and chocolate, some medications or other health conditions can contribute to nighttime bladder control issues. Bedwetting can also be a symptom of a sleep disorder. So if your child has other signs, you may want to investigate this possibility. How to help your child stay dry. While at this age it's not necessary to work on nighttime dryness, you can help a child who wants to stay dry at night by doing the following. Limit liquids for an hour or two before bedtime. You don't need to cut out liquids entirely, though. Limiting liquids only reduces the amount of nighttime urine. It doesn't stop the reasons for bedwetting. Make several pre-bedtime trips to the bathroom, one at the beginning of your bedtime routine, and once again at the very end, just before lights out. Avoid using absorbent training pants and use a special mattress cover instead. Absorbent pants or diapers can delay the normal development process because a child can't feel when urination occurs. Make sure that your child uses the potty often, about every two hours during the day. This encourages normal bladder function and can help with nighttime dryness. Use positive reinforcement with a sticker chart to help her monitor her success. Keep a nightlight on for a clear path to the bathroom and give your child permission to use the bathroom during the night if he needs to. Just the subconscious message may help. Avoid placing any blame on the child and don't make her feel guilty or ashamed. Let her know that it's normal and will take time to change. It is a learning process. No child chooses to wake up cold and wet. Bedwetting almost never happens because a child is lazy or disobedient. It's just like learning to walk or learning to talk. There's a wide range of normal and no reason to rush the process. For a bedwetting toddler or preschooler, the best solution is the most simple one. Allow your child to sleep in a diaper, padded training pants, disposable absorbent underpants, or use a special mattress cover until he begins to stay dry all night. According to the National Kidney Foundation, you only need to talk to a doctor about bedwetting if your child is six or seven years of age or older, or if there are other symptoms of a sleep disorder. With older children, a specialist can help direct parents as to the use of bed alarms, bladder training exercises, diet changes, therapy, or medication. There are plenty of things we parents must worry about and strive to change, but usually during the toddler and preschooler years, this isn't one of those things. All you have to do is be patient. In time, it's very likely your child will be dry at night without your having to be involved in a solution at all. Sleepwalking and Sleep Talking Our son sometimes walks around the house in his sleep. 
He also frequently talks in his sleep, mainly muttering things we can't understand. Is this a problem that we need to do something about? Will he outgrow it? Sleepwalking is a common sleep quirk for toddlers and preschoolers, and nearly a third of children will have at least one sleepwalking episode. Boys are more likely to sleepwalk than girls. Sleepwalking tends to run in families, so you may find that your parents or your spouse's parents have a few humorous stories to embarrass you with. Very often, these stories have to do with the sleepwalker using a very odd object as a toilet, often a trash can or a box in the closet. Sleepwalking usually happens in the beginning of the night, between one and three hours after your child has gone to sleep. Usually, a sleepwalking child opens his eyes, gets out of bed, and wanders a bit disoriented around the house. He's in a state between sleeping and wakefulness, and not at all aware that he's even out of bed. If you talk to him the next morning about his sleepwalking, he won't remember it at all. So it's better not to bring it up when he's awake, as it might even make him confused, worried, or scared. What to do when you find your child sleepwalking if you wake to find your child walking around the house, gently carry him or lead him back to bed. You don't have to talk to him, other than a few comforting words, since he won't really be hearing you. Most often, your child will simply fall right back to sleep once he's resettled in bed. Sleepwalking isn't a sign of any emotional or physical problem, and most children simply outgrow it. The worry for parents is that their child will wander outside, fall downstairs, or trip over something and get hurt, since sleepwalkers aren't aware of exactly where they are or where they are going. If you have a little sleepwalker, you should take these precautions. Attach a belt to the bedroom door or a motion detector in front of his doorway so that you are alerted to the fact he's up and out of bed. If you're a deep sleeper and won't hear a bell or an alarm, you can put a child safety gate in his bedroom doorway. A gated doorway, as awful as that may sound, could prevent your little one from wandering around the house without your knowledge and getting hurt. A co-sleeping family can put the sleepwalker between two parents, or between a parent and a wall, so that you're alerted when she tries to climb out of bed. Avoid putting a child who sleepwalks to sleep in a high bed or on the top of a bunk bed, particularly if he's wearing Superman pajamas. Keep all outside doors and windows locked. Put a note up to remind yourself to check these nightly. Use window guards, metal grids that snap into the window, on upper floor windows. This is an important idea whether or not you have a sleepwalker. If your household burglar alarm has a setting that creates a beep any time a door or window is opened, then take advantage of this handy, albeit annoying, feature. Install child safety gates at the tops of stairs. Make sure your childproofing is complete throughout the house. Lock up toxic solutions or dangerous objects 
secure cords and cover outlets. Avoid having toys and clutter on your child's bedroom floor. Okay, maybe this isn't reasonable. At least make sure you remove sharp and hard objects. Avoid giving your child excess fluids in the hour before bedtime. Have your child use the toilet every night right before she gets in bed so that a full bladder doesn't have her up and looking for a place to go potty. Should you try to stop the sleepwalking? Most often, there's no reason to try to stop your child from sleepwalking. However, if your child is making this a regular habit and you have concerns about your little happy wanderer's safety, you can try a simple intervention that might reestablish a natural sleep cycle. The first step is to keep track of the typical time when your child gets out of bed. Specifically, how long after he goes to sleep does he get up? After you've done this for a week or so, you should see a pattern. Once you find out what his typical timing is, you can wake him up about 10 to 15 minutes before he usually begins walking around. Take him to the bathroom, give him a hug, and tuck him back into bed. Follow this routine for a week, and then let him sleep without disruption, and see if his sleepwalking stops. If this doesn't stop his sleepwalking, then talk to your health care provider about your concerns. I know that this isn't something most parents who are already working on sleep-related issues are willing to try. So I want to say again that unless your child's safety is a concern, you don't really need to do anything about sleepwalking. Most often, he'll grow out of this phase without your intervention. Sleep Talking Sleep talking is even more common than sleep walking, and about half of all children will have a few midnight jabbering sessions. Sleepwalkers are very often sleep talkers, too. Some children might mumble or make sounds in their sleep, while others carry on entire conversations with themselves. Some sleep talkers use a quiet, monotonous voice, but others can be quite loud and emotional. If you talk to a child who is talking in her sleep, she may respond, but her answer will likely make little sense. Most sleep talking is amusing, brief, and harmless. If the talking isn't bothering anyone else, you don't need to do anything about it. If your little sleep talker is loud and episodes are frequent and bothersome to other sleepers, you may want to consider some of the remedies in the next section. Can you stop your child from sleepwalking or sleep-talking? The following tips may be helpful in reducing the amount of walking or talking your child does in his sleep. There is no foolproof solution, but since these ideas are based on general rules for healthy sleep, it won't hurt to try some of them. Some studies have found that children who are not getting enough sleep are more likely to sleepwalk or sleep-talk. It's wise, therefore, to see if your little one is getting enough sleep hours and modify his bedtime if he needs more sleep. If you haven't already noticed, this is a common reason for many sleep problems.
Inconsistent sleep times can contribute to sleepwalking and sleep talking. So if you haven't already made the change discussed in Part 1 of this book, you may want to take another look at setting a specific daily bedtime and daily awake time for your little night wanderer or night talker. Another possible cause of sleepwalking and sleep talking is fatigue or stress and tension. Because a late heavy meal can contribute to these sleep problems, avoid having your child eat a big meal before bedtime. Stick to a light snack devoid of heavy spices or sugars. Occasionally, sleepwalking is brought about in response to a change in the child's life, such as moving, the parent's divorce, attending a new school, or another major event. These are temporary situations, and once your child is settled into a new routine, the sleepwalking should disappear. <laughs>